I've had to negotiate with David and he'll be like, all right, my plane's taking off in 10 seconds. I'm going to pitch you this idea and we either agree to it before the plane is in the air and I'm going to lose service or I'm going to find someone else. What is good, futurists? This is your host, Michael Zakan, founder and creator of Our Future. We are a podcast and media brand telling short, exciting stories about the business world and we package them up and deliver them to you, the young professional, in a digestible and electric format. On today's episode, I sit down with Ian Borthwick, Senior Director of Influencer Channels at SeatGeek, the mobile-focused ticketing platform that's known for helping people find the best seats at mega events like sports and concerts, but they're probably even more well-known for their strokes of genius in influencer marketing. Buzzword alert, Ian has propelled SeatGeek to the highest level of the public consciousness in the marketing world through some of the most successful influencer marketing campaigns. It's absolutely insane the kind of content that Ian has created with some of the top influencers, most famously with Mr. Superstar David Dobrik. Remember when the CMO of Chipotle talked about working with David a few episodes back? Well, we're getting another scoop on him. Enjoy this mini masterclass on creating compelling influencer marketing. You know, when we think of the ticketing industry, there's so many different names that come top of mind. Ticketmaster, Eventbrite, uh, Live Nation. Can you tell me a bit about how SeatGeek has been able to go from sprout up from the soil uh, in this very shady forest where there isn't that much light to to come out? It's really developed a niche for itself. How did it happen? The ticketing industry is a very, very confusing industry in that it's, it's never truly been super consumer first. So... For instance, if you ever try to buy a ticket, it is a very stressful process traditionally. So the first thing we did, we actually never used to, we we started, we didn't sell tickets. We just would give you recommendations on when to buy them because there's big, there's price fluctuations in ticketing where there's a certain time where it's best to buy typically, you know, two weeks before an event. And we would recommend when users to buy those tickets. And then we shifted to deal score, which is our next product, which allows you to see this is the best bang for your buck. So if you look at our maps, you'll see this is green, this is red. You obviously want the green seats. And then we continue to add new features. And then on the marketing side, if you look at any startup, I would say this for, but there was this moment in time when you could really scale fast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter ads. Back when it was cheap. Back when it was cheap. And then the bigger brands, either those brands now got big or the bigger brands also came down and started doing this. And so the the price per click, it's just very hard to compete because you're playing basically on top competitors' turf. It's like a war of attrition, right? My boss came from booking.com and there's a, them and Expedia are just basically, or sorry, he came from Expedia, but he would they basically compete against each other in a losing battle. We are constantly trying to ratchet up the bids to outbid each other. And at a certain point it becomes a losing battle. So for Seeky creators were, our way to do something where StubHub and Ticketmaster are spending on those channels, we can attack creators. So the first was podcast. We were the first sponsor of the Bill Simmons podcast. Um, I think that was the first presenting sponsorship. Big acquisition for him. He's a great name. And I think back, he was one of the first podcasters. And then three years ago, we started, not three years ago, five years ago, we got into the YouTube game, started with NBA 2K gamers. And that has since evolved and it's now a key way that SeatGeek differentiates differentiates itself against StubHub and Ticketmaster in that we 
reach fans in a way that our competitors are not. And I'm a believer that a trusted audience is more valuable than really any other commodity right now in marketing. Right, and that's what right. David and um, Cody Co. and our other top creators have. When you're advertising on mass channels like Facebook, or maybe we could go back to the linear TV days. I just talked to Roku right before you uh, in, in their new audience kind of platform. You're always an ad, right? But with influencers, you are tapping into a massive audience, but you're no longer an ad. You're a part of culture and you're yep. a part of someone's existing brand and values. So it's just authentic. Good influencer marketing is like that. I'd say there's a lot of influencer marketing that is still... You want the control of an Instagram ad, but the authenticity of influencer. And so that would be anytime you see in an Instagram post where like it's clearly written by eight different people in a marketing team and it's like a copy and paste. That is just a banner ad that exists on the internet. And you are like paying the premium for influencer marketing, but you're losing all the authenticity that makes it work. So I would say there's both a good and a bad. I say we, we used to do more bad like we used to do very onerous, our first deals, like uh, we'd send these like very strict copy points and very strict things you had to mention. And we've definitely shifted that. I mean, that's the thing, right? How do you balance giving a creator control and wanting to tell your unique story? I, I think that it comes down to identifying creators that align perfectly with your brand. And obviously things will get better over time as you build that trust. How did David mm -hmm. Dobrik come into your universe? Uh, I assume he gets thousands and thousands of brand sponsorship proposals a day. What do you think made SeatGeek break through the, the clutter and, and get to him and create something amazing with him over the past few years? I spent two years trying to get in touch with him because he gets so many brand deals and didn't happen. So I think in 2016, 2017, he finally responded because he wanted to go to the World Series. And so we were a natural fit there. Mm -hmm. That said, a lot of brands get to that stage with a lot of creators and at that moment, you kind of, there's a couple of different brands in the space. There's the brands that have all the money in the world and they're usually like fortune 100 brands. So they're going to say most money, but we need a lot of creative review. The creative has to be approved by us. This is what we want the videos to look like. And it's probably going to be a week to two week timetable for that video to get out. Maybe Pepsi, and for example, a Pepsi, a Chipotle, a, um, Anytime a big brand comes to work with an influencer, that's kind of their value prop. Whereas SeatGeek, we know we can't compete in that world. So we are going to be, we are going to lean on the influencer's creativity. We're going to let David do the videos how he wants to do them. And we're going to approve them. I try to approve within 30 minutes. Sometimes it lasts a couple hours because I just haven't checked my text. What was your reaction when David called you to pay for the Ferrari? The thing about David is you have about Nothing is, especially when he was vlogging at the rate he was when the Ferrari video came out. It's even before that, like I've, I've had to negotiate with David and he'll be like, all right, my plane's taking off in 10 seconds. I'm going to pitch you this idea and we either agree to it before the plane is in the air and I'm going to lose service or I'm going to find someone else. And so like, <laughs> that's how David works because when you're on that vlog schedule, there's always the next thing and he's constantly thinking of the next thing. And so that's where we going back to what we said earlier is, you have to be a brand that is able to move fast. And so in that instance, we got it done before the plane take, took off. And the Ferrari example was Friday after work and like I was brain dead and I got this call from David and I was like, oh, fuck, am I allowed to cuss? Oh shoot. And then he was like, well, he's like, listen, I wanna do this really big video. I really want this. And 
in your in that moment you're just like there's two things going one this is gonna be an amazing video two i'm being recorded for 15 million people um i've never done this before and this is not who i am but you it's kind of a moment where you need to lean in and so i yeah. just leaned in and he's i think he told me afterwards it was recorded i don't even know if he told me before but i was just it's kind of one of those moments where you're just like what just happened um, yeah that's insane video came out <laughs> And then it went well. And I think what's what's so great about it is a lot of creators do the opposite where they try to hide an ad where they'll say, you know, oh, I love these leggings so much. And you, you the audience knows it's an ad, but the creator is just not acknowledging it's an ad. And so that creates this like sellout culture that you typically yeah. see where if you own it. So what David did is he brought people behind the curtain. So they felt like there's this like really funny moment of David asking SeatGeek for a Ferrari and that was on their part of his world and see his everyday life. And I think that's an incredibly insightful way to think about marketing that I wouldn't have been able to think of myself, but it created us a, a character in the video versus like just another brand. You have to know what brand you are in the influencer marketing space. Cause if, if we try to do what Chipotle and Pepsi do, we're not even be able to get a, to talk to David because he's looking to have creative control. He's looking for someone to support his vision and that's our job to kind of fit into what he needs. Yeah, and you guys have the asset of being able to provide experiences and, you know, World Series tickets that mesh perfectly with what he wanted, right? And you can do, he's giving away tickets to the Super Bowl and all these events and it just meshes perfectly with like a stunt. Like you guys have that firepower. And, you know, I did talk to the chief marketing officer of Chipotle to talk about David Dobrik. And it's amazing how versatile he is. He's been able to work with, the biggest of the big and also the scrappier young brands like SeatGeek that have made a name for themselves by working with with creators such as themselves. So I think for 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 brands who do not currently employ influencers, if you if the brand has that element of having something to provide that's not just monetary, that can make for a huge piece of content, then that's kind of yep. kind of the the big value prop there. And you guys have worked with thousands of other influencers. I mean, how do you go about identifying them? It's frustrating for a lot because it's there's like a mix of art and science here. What sets SeatGeek apart is we're really good at identifying talent early. So we're obviously early on David. We partnered with Barstool back in 2015 before they are what they are today. Um, and then with a number of creators. And the reason we kind of are good at it, I think is you wanna be able to find creators that have influence versus views. And that's sometimes hard to suss out. One of my favorite clues is inside jokes. If a creator and his community have inside jokes, his or her, like that is a incredibly powerful signal, high engagement rate. You're looking for a lot of comments, a lot of likes, and then the ability to port your audience across platforms. So yeah. if David does a podcast, that podcast is going to be big. If he does a TikTok, his TikTok is gonna be big because anything his audience does, anything he does, his audience is gonna follow and naturally they're gonna right. follow to the brands that he promotes. So you like, creators who have a, a lot are on a lot of different channels instead of maybe just one they have that ability um, to, to mix and match if they're going to do other channels i'd like like for instance mr beast is massive but mr beast is only on youtube but i wouldn't say that i'm not saying that mr beast isn't influential it's just his strategy is very clearly i'm going to make this youtube asset as big as possible and everything kind of pushes to that whereas someone like cody is a big podcast a big youtube and he kind of is more diversified i think with something like Mr. Beast, you're more just looking in the comments engagement and it's a gut check on whether you think he's going to work. But sure. the high level, there's not a there's not like a secret formula that everyone wants to produce on 
what influencers are going to work and what's not. And I've made plenty of mistakes on people you think are going to get work. But yeah, let's talk about those mistakes, because for me, like I'm confident that the conversation we're having right now, I'll be able to make clips of this that will do at least 100K on TikTok. Like I like and I don't even have that many followers, but I just know that I can create a piece of content that has the right cultural contagion within it. To, to make this clip blow up because people know the influencers you're talking about and then I'm gonna bring them the guy behind it all. Um, and, but I can't certify, say, and, and some crazy, say that, you know, you don't need it, but say SeatGeek were to pay me to like create these clips for you guys. Well, well, first off, you wouldn't need to, but the second thing is I just can't guarantee that that this thing is gonna blow up in the way it does because TikTok's so random. I mean, a, a lot of these right. platforms are random. There's this level, like you said, art of science, like you can't really know what views something is going to get or how many comments something is going to get. It kind of just depends on you say luck is part of it. Well, I mean, I think the views part is you're trying to TikTok's tough. So I'll start TikTok because it is completely algorithm based. So the creator has less control than they'd want to, because it, sure, if, if Charlie D'Amelio posts a video, it's going to blow up. But if you're a mid tier creator, it's tough to know which videos are going to the algorithm is going to absolutely love and what they're going to do pretty well. And as a marketer, that is, if I'm looking at TikTok, what I look at is, is there a consistency of views? So is the audience continuing to come back, continuing to, to digest the content? I look more for that than like spiky. So I think there's a lot of creators, you see it on YouTube sometimes where someone's really good at SEO. So they'll say like top five, iPhone hacks, which is an example, I'm not saying tech YouTubers are bad. I'm saying there's a certain clickbait ways you can produce content. So you perform really well in the YouTube algorithm. Yeah. The downside of that is those views are typically less powerful than someone who is going out of their way to find people are typing. David doesn't like title his videos with like 10 different SEO keywords. He's going to say like clickbait and then something, but people are going out of their way to find his content. They're not really getting you're not watching usually other creators and suddenly you see David Dobrik. No, he's like a destination place you go. And so you're really trying to find those destination creators versus scroll through creators. When I think about my podcast, like if I look at the amount of views I've done on TikTok in the past few months or in the past month, it, it's way more than anybody who's ever listened to my podcast. Uh, but, you know, I do have a few thousand listeners on this podcast. It's still small, but mm -hmm. a week, but those listeners are just so much more valuable and I like right. what you said about inside jokes. I, I say at the end of every podcast, I say stay frosty. And I think like that's like as I grow over the next few years, like that stay frosty thing is like a piece of like inside joke, you know. And I, I think that to me, like the those small people, the small number who are actually roped into the audio experience are just worth so much more than 100,000 views on TikTok, you know. But you could also look at it. Yes. But if I and if I'm you, I'm saying, OK, TikTok is my top of the funnel. So for Charlie or a top TikTok creator, what you're seeing right now is that's their top of the funnel, but then they're trying to monetize their audience downward. So from TikTok, they'll pivot to go to YouTube and podcast. And then from YouTube and podcast, if there wasn't a pandemic right now, they'd be going to live shows. Yeah. And then you're already seeing them starting to launch their own products themselves. So I think that's the funnel right now. And TikTok right now is a great top of the funnel. But in terms of I want to build a career that's going to last longer than, you know, I want to be here for a while. YouTube is typically in podcast, the place you want to do it just because that level of connection is just going to be stronger than a 15, you know, plus second clip on TikTok. 
so Ian, now you're like gearing up to do your own podcast and like, what do you accredit to like maybe your success as, as at SeatGeek and you have like one of the most interesting, unique roles in like the marketing verse, I would say. How did it happen? Do you think like it was just like some serendipity? Do you think, how did you, what mindset did you have going into it? Like, what do you think made you successful to the point where you've been able to accumulate all this knowledge and become an expert on like a very, very lucrative area of business? Luck, a lot of, like I, I before I was at an athlete, I, I used to work at Wasserman, which is a large um, sports agency. So I came from there. I had no, I didn't watch YouTube. I was not in the creator world. It was not anything that really caught my eye. Um, I got hired by SeatGeek and what SeatGeek hired me for basically evaporated within two months of me working there. So I had nothing to do. Um, and anybody who's worked for a startup, that's not a crazy thing for something to seem like it's certain one day and not certain the next. That's kind of part of life on being at a small but fast growing company. So for me, I just saw an opportunity with YouTube started to work. And then I just tried to learn every single thing I could about the space. Um, and since then, I think a lot of credit goes to David and, and creators who have who partnered with me and David kind of, for some reason, decided to include me in the vlogs. And that yeah, has been amazing for my career. So, cool. um, so it's a testament to him. But I think there's a lot of I didn't it, like there's, there was no, it's easy to look back and try to say, okay, these are like the through line that I did. And, but it was really just working hard and sensing that there's an opportunity here for that other people weren't seeing. I kind of felt like I, once I saw those initial videos performing for us, um, when people were watching 16 year olds play NBA 2K and I knew that that was working, that was one of the most exciting moments I've ever had because you feel like you're both you have the secret that other people don't have and you're an entrepreneur and I'm not one who started my own company, but for me to be able to, to know that and to build it out um, has been really fun. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ian Borthwick, dropping nuggets of gold and pulling back the curtain on the wild world of influencer marketing. Before you go about your future today, I wanna to say I've been studying the top podcasts and getting ratings on Apple Podcasts has been the way the biggest shows have grown. Leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts takes less than 30 seconds, and I'm extremely thankful for each and every one. Currently at 60 ratings, I want to be at 100 by March. It's a very lofty goal, but please help me lead the charge in making this thing huge. You've already left us a review. Sharing our future on your Insta IG story is another awesome way to drum up some buzz and bang that barrel. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay frosty.